Hi, welcome back to the Facts of Family Accountability, Compassion and Truth, Safe Space. I'm Millie. And I'm Natasha. We have two sponsors today, and our first one is Your Fertility Simplified, and we have a word directly from our sponsor. This is Christy with Your Fertility Simplified. I am a fertility doula. A fertility doula is a professionally trained person who provides support during the preconception period to help prepare the mind and body for pregnancy. What caused me to start Your Fertility Simplified? I have over 20 years in the fertility world. I'm an IVF case manager. And so I noticed a lot of my patients were asking for that extra support and I didn't have anyone to pretty much send them to or refer them to outside of a large support group or a business where you go into the hospitals. Nothing's wrong with that, but I just felt that they needed more of a personal touch. So I decided to start Your Fertility Simplified to help surrogates, intended parents, and autologous patients through their journey. What I will provide is physical, emotional, and educational support, and that can increase their likelihood of a successful pregnancy. So if you're interested in checking out Your Fertility Simplified, you can contact me via email, which is christy at yourfertilitysimplified.com, or you can check out my Instagram at yourfertilitysimplified, and my website is yourfertilitysimplified.com. You guys have a great day. All right. Our next sponsor is Shauna with Norwex. Shauna is a Norwex consultant and she does this in her spare time. She's also a wife, a mommy of three, a certified athletic trainer and an associate faculty in sports medicine at a local college in Northern California. She found Norwex when she started her family and was looking for non-toxic and chemical-free products for her home, skincare, and personal care products. Norwex is dedicated to cleaner, safer, better products that are safe for all of the family members, including kids and pets. One of the signature products is the microfiber cloth that was created in Norway in 1996, and it physically removes up to 99% of bacteria from any surface, and all you do is use water. There's no chemicals, none of that being used in there. There's a bunch of amazing products in addition to the cloths that include soaps, detergents, and other items like skincare lines, Nordic antioxidants for youthful skin. Oh, I need youthful skin and other chemical free <laughs> products. <laughs> Norwex also gives back to the community and they've donated to over 300 causes in the community. You can shop with no subscriptions or commitments and there's 50% off sale that's going on that will put chemical free products into your home. You can check out all of these details and products through Shauna's personal website at Shauna, S-H-A-U-N-A-B-L-A-N-Q-U-I-E dot Norwex dot biz or her Instagram, which is at clean green Shauna B. And we'll put all of that in our show notes. And I just actually ordered a on the go thing from Shauna Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to use it. I've used Norwex products before and I really like it so I'm excited to use this on the go for like travel and whatever else cleaning like tables and airplane seats and all of that good stuff so yeah excited thank you to our sponsors it's gonna be awesome we're gonna have some like cool new gear soon I want to definitely hear your reviews. I know you're having an upcoming travel, so you'll get to use a Norwex. So I definitely want to hear. I'm curious because 
And I think I told you that I've heard about it. So I'm definitely going to check it out, especially with this 99% of bacteria, because I know our kids carry bacteria in their little fingers everywhere. Yeah, they're gross. But they're also not as gross as other people's kids. <laughs> Remember that meme I posted that was like, don't get it wrong. I don't like kids. I only like my own and a couple of others. <laughs> um, I think that's every mom. They, yeah, I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> they only like their own kids. But... We're going to get into our episode six and in regards to raising BIPOC kids. And we are so happy and honored to have Dr. Parks, Dr. Bethany Hernandez Parks in (laughs) our podcast. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy mom day and like professional day to just, you know, be with us. But Dr. Bethany Hernandez Parks holds a BA in early childhood education an MA in education with a specialization in early childhood education and educational doctorate in educational leadership and psychology. So she is master doctorate, everything. Yes. <laughs> Lots of education. <laughs> she has, we love to see smart ladies. So she has over 20 years of experience in the education And Dr. Parks has advocated for high quality, culturally diverse and equitable early education experiences for administrators, teachers and students, as well as their families. Her expertise includes program and training development, product development and management, early education teaching and management, higher education instruction and educational leadership. Dr. Parks has a vested interest in advocating for the early education field and supporting services that are high quality, developmentally and culturally appropriate, and meet the needs of the children and family being served. Not only is she an educated mom, but she she has two beautiful ladies at home as well. So welcome, Dr. Parks. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. So before we get into what Dr. Bethany Parks has for us, I had one news thing this week that I thought was, and I think one one of our mutual friends, Natasha, put it on her story, but it was about California will require five days of protected time off for mothers Mm -hmm. who experience reproductive loss. And I know it kind of, it triggered my thought because it aligned with our conversation or our last podcast in regards to infant loss. And I thought this was so great. And so there's this this new, the SB 848, which is a bill that's going to be signed by Governor Gavin Newsom. And so we'll now give workers five days of leave for reproductive related losses to better support women and their partners following a loss. And so basically, the way that this is set up is that it's protected leave, which is a beginning, but it's not paid time off, which I have a problem with because we get, and at least in my place of employment, we get three days of bereavement Same. paid. And so I'm just wondering why this is different. Like this is a loss, but it's definitely a start and it's like a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. It's a step in the right direction. It's never enough, right? And it like... <laughs> I mean, it's emotionally draining as someone who's experienced it, but also physically draining, right? And then there's like different variations of it. So like different times that you've potentially lost the baby and you may need way a way longer time depending on how far along you were. And yeah, the fact that it's protected, but you still probably have to use your PTO or maybe mm-hmm. you can apply for 
I don't know, disability or whatever, but even if you apply for disability for that five days, it's going to take months to get that money paid. Uh, yeah, yeah a lot. But it's a start. And it does, it says, one of the things is the law also requires the employer to maintain employee confidentiality relating to the reproductive loss leave. So I'm wondering what that would look like in each place of employment. Um, and they can take protected leave for up to four reproductive losses in a year for a total of 20 days. So that's amazing because, you know, as a woman is going through the fertility process, it can happen more than once in a year, right? Depending on circumstances are. So I, that was the news that I had. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Similar thoughts, I think. I agree with Millie. It's a step in the right direction. But like you were saying to Natasha, it's, uh, yeah, every case is different. And, and you would hope there's more protections in place for a loss because those are losses or there could be complications related to the specifics around that that loss. So, And then hopefully, I don't know if that you made this clear or if it's even defined, but is that also available for the partner? Because like oftentimes you need support if you're going through something like that, depending on the situation, again, making sure that those protections are also in place for, for the partner, the spouse, whoever it may be, because you need to support the mom or the, you know, the person who experienced the loss at that moment. Yeah, I think it did say that it's um, oh, okay. women and their partners. Okay. It's important. That's good. Yeah, it's always, I always feel like they leave out partner. Yes. Even though maybe <laughs> they weren't the ones caring necessarily mm-hmm. the child, they also, it's it's a loss at the end of the day. So I'm just curious Definitely. Yeah, to see how the bill develops and then when it comes into effect, right? Because it right. takes a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. And, and like Natasha was saying, if if you're able to pull disability, it's like you would see that a couple months down the road, unfortunately. So it's like so much to consider, even if Absolutely. that protection's in place. Yeah, I just got Zori is 16 months and I just got paid from the EDD. What? For one of the last <laughs> months of maternity leave. So it was complicated because from my job, So we have the California leave, right? 12 weeks or up to 12 weeks, whatever, you know, generally they try to give Mm -hmm. you eight weeks and then you have to, for a C-section and then you have to ask for four more weeks. So after I took the full 12 weeks and after that, I was able to choose from my job either to do six weeks full-time off or 12 weeks part-time. And I chose the 12 weeks part-time. So during that Mm -hmm. 12 weeks part-time, I applied for the bonding with the baby time through the state of California, because that's how I get paid for the other four hours. And they denied it. And so then I had to go back and I had to like apply the denial. I had to send it to my job. Um, My job, luckily, like they were able to give me, loan me the money until I got paid to essentially be like, okay, here's the money for now. Because I was like, look, I'm only getting paid four hours a day, like, and I'm working Mm -hmm. and I'm with the baby and, you know, I'm stressed out. So anyway, after going through like appeals and denials and calls and whatever, I finally got like, gosh, a couple of months ago, I got the last, wow, the last payment though. That's awful. That's awful. I'm glad you got it, but what a struggle. The things that we go through as women, as mothers, as you know, and any of that, like it's, it's just, 
so hard. And then I think the other part that like makes it complicated is, and I, I feel like sometimes they have to do that, but our HR departments or our benefits departments in companies, they treat you like a case management number and you're not a person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to like complain even at my job because I'm like, my case manager has never, like, I've never talked to this person. I don't like, I know their name. I've never talked to them. And so, uh-huh. you know, that had to come up. So it's just like, it's hard because you're already stressing out about yeah. the nursing and, you know, whatever else is going on. So it's a lot. But Millie, yeah. thank you so much for bringing that story. Dr. Bethany, I don't know if you have any news that stood out to you. Personally, I've been knee deep in uh, wearing the hats that you were just mentioning, uh, <laughs> the mom role, the work role, uh, the wife role, and then just like trying to, you know, give myself time as a person as well. So uh, all those things. But yeah, thank you. That was interesting news to discuss. Yeah, I don't have anything. Um, I'm still knee deep in the Middle East crisis and yeah. just making it make sense, um, which I still cannot make it make sense. So mm-hmm. anyway, I did want to say about that, like, I feel I feel like I've been in my feelings about it in the sense, and we talked about this last time, but now it's more in the sense of like, it kind of feels like a, not a lonely feeling because I have so much support and so much love. And like, I, I posted something on my personal Instagram and I kid you not, there was like so many people that sent me messages and were like, Hey, are you okay? How's your family in Israel? How's this? How's that? And so I do feel supported in that way, but I feel like there's still a lot of misinformation and miscommunication and Mm -hmm. things are getting lost in the fires of people are saying I'm not anti-Semitic. People are saying I'm not anti-Muslim or anti-Islam. People are saying I'm not anti-Palestinian, but all of the actions and all of the things don't match up. And so I see it from, unfortunately, from both sides, you know, when you post like misinformation, it is putting a cloud over people of Palestinian background. If you're posting things that are pro Hamas, even though you may not be anti-Semitic, you are putting a cloud over the Jewish people. And so to me, all of this misinformation, it's like kind of putting me, I feel like on an island because I choose not to post anything because I don't want to spread misinformation. And if I do post something, I want to make sure that it's well thought out, that it's something from my heart, that is something that supports my people, but also supports humanity and all of that. And then, you know, there's those people, there's no time for humanity. There's no time from both sides. And it's just like, I think that's putting people on an island and- Anyway, so that's why I don't have a new story because I'm in my feelings and, and I've been reading like not, I've been down the rabbit hole of the Jewish people being in the Middle East area and then the Romans came and then the Ottoman Empire came and then this. Oh, you're deep? Yeah, deep. like you went, you went history. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm deep got it. into it and like, you know, the land. Yeah. Like it's the land of the pal of Palestine, and then the like random Jewish settlers that started coming in, and then the UN. And no, I am like knee deep in history, and I actually like it's really interesting. And someone 
did recommend a documentary that I'll be watching. But yeah, so like, it's all about history and just reading. I don't trust any news outlets right now. Like, I don't trust any of that. So anyway, that's my soapbox. And that's it. Thanks, ladies for listening. You should always keep in mind, like the is the humanity and the kindness and the is that should always be in the forefront of just any world news, right? It's easy to get sucked in into who's wrong, who's right. But like the biggest concern or the biggest issue is so many people are suffering. I think we lose sight sometimes of that when we get involved in like, whose land does it belong to, whose doesn't. And I like that you're doing your research. So you're able to find a deeper understanding on like why this is occurring. But people will post all kinds of things on social media, you know, I, I can even say that I've been guilty of like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Just because I'm the in the emotional part, you know, and it's just like share, post, share, post. But I think it's being also intentional on what you post, especially when you have followers or you, you know, we run certain businesses like like I told you, Natasha, like just you having conversations with one person, that's like a domino effect on education and knowledge to for them to pass on. You know, because even you sharing like personal stuff about your family, like I was removed from the situation. I wasn't aware. I wasn't as uh, knowledgeable of what was happening when all that started happening. But like when you shared with like the humanity part, it was like, oh, my God, there's people suffering. So just it just takes one person to change perspective on on, on a situation. So. But I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to check on you. I got to <laughs> I be feeling like I need to bring her back because, you know, right. Put the Ottoman Empire yeah. books down. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, here, just reading the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> <Go to> <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Watching the document. OK, Natasha, I'm going to just do you, girl. <laughs> when I see you. That's awesome. But let's get into our questions to our episode. And so we were able to introduce Dr. Bethany. And so one of the things that we really, you know, we all are raising BIPOC children, us three ladies. And so one of our questions is for you, Dr. Bethany, do you have conversations about the race, religion? What do your kids identify with? So my kids are somewhat younger still. Um, so my youngest just turned three and my oldest just turned six. So I would say they're still pretty young. And so I've always thought about it, like, like keeping it kind of at their level of understanding, right? And I think even the topic, like you were just talking about, Natasha, right? Like we're we're all people right and we all have these like these beautiful backgrounds differences and we all like present physically different and then we all like we have histories right <laughs> you know there's there's places that our families are from and there's you know things that our families have have gone through and all of that but anyway thinking about like how do I present this information to my kids like day in and day out I think I've started young and definitely started it at their level but really just talking about differences because young kids are going to notice differences, right? So you can even take it as early as like understanding from the infant perspective, like there's visual discrimination that they develop. And I think a lot of times we don't give kids enough credit for understanding differences and seeing them. And we as adults are like afraid to talk about 
things being different because we don't want to like exclude or we don't want to like have them single anyone out, but they're noticing differences. So if we keep it at that level, understanding they notice differences and then like look at things, even in nature, you can have one tree, right? But, and it has leaves, but each leaf looks different. Let's talk about that. Like this leaf is bigger, this leaf is smaller, this leaf has, you know, dots on it or what have you. And then just talking about it as noticing it and then celebrating it and then bringing it into your own home. So you're kind of mentioning Millie, um, our family. So I myself am married to someone he's black. And so like, obviously my skin's lighter. So a lot of times, like we've talked about like our skin tones or our hair, like my daughter's hair is curly. And we've just talked about the differences. It's not a negative thing that like they bring up that like dad's skin is darker or their skin is darker than mine. Like we talk about it, we celebrate it. And then also just bring up the fact that for our own home, we you know, we talk about God. So we just talk about how God made everyone different and everyone unique. And, you know, from a perspective for, for everyone. And of course, as it gets older, as they get older, the conversations will change (laughs) to be a little more in depth, like talking about like origins of where people come from and (laughs) how did, how did these things come to be? Um, Even like what are nationalities are and what that kind of means. And we're starting to get into that with my oldest. She's starting to understand like, different places like countries and things like that I would say really that's kind of how we've organically brought it up and so then we're able to freely discuss it it's not something they feel like they have to hide from I don't have to hide from it and then we incorporate other things in our life that kind of support that understanding like books or tv shows or what have you I I really like that I like the part of the tree analogy um, with the leaves because the uniqueness in each individual right and just Mm -hmm. the leaves the uniqueness in Mm -hmm. each individual and I think I tried to do that as well with my children because I am also married to a black man and my kids are biracial and for them I tried to definitely include God like how his creation shows his love for us which mm-hmm. is his creation. We're part of his creation. Like, and I talk to them about animals, right? So we have two dogs and we talk about all different animals and it's like, God created bulldogs, mastiff, <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Yorkies, because yeah. he wants us to have a variety of stuff. Dif- there's trillions of apple mm-hmm. uh, that we haven't tried and right. we get to experience all kinds. And that's how I bring it down to like humanity. Like we get to see like a rainbow, Mm-hmm. Uh, colors and mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned just being aware of our differences because my son is nine years old and he's already at that age where he's understanding his space and place in the world mm-hmm. as a biracial kid mm-hmm. and you know he'll make comments like I'm Louisianan you know where his daddy's from uh-huh. and other he's like I'm Salvadorian you know yeah. and he'll but it's hard because his classmates will make comments like how is your mom white which I'm not white I'm just like lighter skin how is your mom white and you're black is that truly your mom Mm -hmm. and I'm so proud to say that he's he's already ready to tell him like Mm -hmm. he's like do you know when you make black and a little bit of white you get a little (laughs) bit of gray like what is and it's these conversations are hard to have because why should we have these conversations you know a box of Crayola has a bunch of colors mm-hmm. but I'm glad that like you know you you're bringing that up to your girls well I think it's just like um I like a lot of what you just brought up and I think it's just 
so important as adults, like especially parents to recognize that like if you lead this conversation, if you build this arena to be able to converse about it in your home and like see differences, celebrate differences, have them build respect and self-confidence for themselves because they're seeing themselves as these people, they're noticing their own features, they're noticing the differences between, I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter, which is really funny that it's always brought up in like very obvious, like mixed race couples, but like even a family that has the same (laughs) race of like parents, like you're going to have differences there. You can have like two blonde parents sometimes and they'll come out with a redheaded child or, you know, brown two brown haired parents. So it doesn't always easily that difference just because we're in like mixed race families. But I think that's the part like you've obviously talked about this with your child and he had <laughs> he had to come back. Um, <laughs> and that's awesome. And he also shared it with you, which I think is also like a testament to probably the relationship that you guys have built over time. But I think we have to be aware, like these conversations are going to happen in your kids spaces, you're not always going to be around and you want to be the one who helped them to understand it. Absolutely. And I think all interesting and important points all around. And I love how both of you brought up like trees and animals or pets. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I wasn't as creative. So like we focus a lot on books and I love (laughs) books like mirrors at the end. One of my Mm -hmm. favorite ones is um, I Love Me. I think that's what it's called something, but it talks about like, I have curly hair. I have spiky hair. I have brown skin. I have red hair. I have light skin. And then at the end is like a mirror and you look in and think the caption is like, this is what I love about me. And you kind of prompt your kid to say like what they love about themselves. Mm -hmm. So we've focused a lot about on that. And then like, obviously having conversations as I think Millie, as you mentioned at the very beginning, my husband's also African-American Black. So we also have mixed race children. And I always say mixed race because I feel like even though I'm white, I have Jewish, I have Russian. And so my older kid, my four-year-old, he always says when people ask him like, oh, what are you? He always says, oh, I'm Black and Jewish. And I'm just like, okay. But I, I didn't realize because we talk a lot about like when we do cultural conversations at home. For Jewish holidays, we bake a lot together or we'll cook a lot of different meals together. And I'll always tell mm-hmm. him like, this is for this Jewish holiday or this is for that Jewish holiday. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we celebrate Juneteenth and then we um, have like family reunions and we talk about Black history and we, you know, whenever it's, you know, someone's birthday, like Malcolm X or anybody, we'll talk about them. And we have books and we have books on Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay because my child's name is Cassius. And so we'll read all of those different things and we'll talk about that. So he takes in like literally what we say and then uses that because, you know, I I would have expected him to say I'm black and white is kind of what he says. But also, Dr. Bethany, you were saying about the like within, you know, our own cultures, there's different, you know, like I'm short and then within mm-hmm. my family pretty much besides my parents and myself, everyone else is like taller. So everyone's like, well, how, like what happened to the three of you? (laughs) I'm just like, but yeah, there's, there's different things. And it's interesting. I wanted, again, I enjoy hearing what both of you ladies have done. And so especially Dr. Bethany coming from an educational or early education background, like I think it's super interesting to hear 
the different like ways that you do this with kids and what's age appropriate. And again, with my 16 month old, I just have books and like, and again, like we go out into nature, we talk, are there any other suggestions maybe that you have like for, you know, starting at very young up to the, to our nine year old? Yeah. Especially thinking about like how to support this, like in your home culture and in your home environment, I think it like pay attention to what, toys you're having around like what what things are you you're showing your child in terms of like skin tone is it okay if there's a really light skin tone toy in you know your toy basket and then if so is it okay if there's a really dark skinned one like you know have the variety available in your own home for your child to play with the books I think books are like essential they're so important they can teach so many things that's a great place to start as well and then just like you're saying having having the conversations, exposing them to just as much culture as you're able to (laughs) kind of enjoy yourself. Like, I mean, I think depending on where you live, like there's so many opportunities to just embrace other cultures around us. So like if there's cultures that not necessarily are ones that like your background is from, still go and like recognize that you enjoy it. So like make sure you expose your kid to it. Like basically we're trying to create something that elicits respect like you're trying to create an environment and a culture in your own home to want to learn to appreciate differences and and really that has to come from you as the parent to kind of create it and support it it's it's really the way that your child will feel the most confident in like celebrating themselves and then being able to appreciate others I always say like oh wait we can't tell our kids what to do we also have to do it we have to (laughs) yeah yeah always (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know no definitely but like you know don't shy away from just appreciating other things I don't know I'm trying to think of a good example it doesn't have to be very like you shouldn't have to try super hard sometimes but just like really think about it like take a step back and be reflective of like we as people in America and I I live in Southern California I think you guys in Southern California too but there's opportunities even the food you eat like just even bringing that up here and there like it could just be a, a moment to recognize like your kid probably didn't recognize that Chinese food Maybe you're not eating the most authentic, but <laughs> it might be from an area that's like, you know, not here. And like, you could just bring that up, like bring awareness, bring cultural conversations into your home as required. I, I thought about Chinese food because it was like my daughter was, she was like four and it was around Chinese New Year and I went to get Chinese food. I hadn't thought about any of that I took her with me and they had all these the place we went to was you know celebrating so they had the restaurant decorated and there was all of these like beautiful red like lanterns and things like that and she just was like thought it was amazing it was so beautiful in there right it was all lit up (laughs) with like gold and red and so we you know just took a moment to talk about that and talk about like China and you know of course at four she's not (laughs) totally absorbing it but it's just a reference point right so it's like you know dropping little little nuggets so that there's a baseline I like what you said especially the food but just being open-minded as a parent and open and inclusive I think it bridges gaps in Mm -hmm. like life experiences because if you've gone certain places if you, you have certain friends or acquaintances that are different from you I'm a therapist and I've been able to find some level of connection with some of my clients like, oh yeah, I've tried that. Oh yeah, my friend is from there. Oh yeah. So Mm -hmm. 
it just bridges that human connection in the world. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's just like, if we come from a space of understanding that like our children, they're people, right? And they're curious. <laughs> and we, just like with anything, like we should respect them and and put into them so that they can gain more understanding like this is just one other area of doing that so yeah it's not necessarily a learning topic but it's like a cultural world topic and one that can really support them and their self-confidence and their resilience too so it's funny when you said uh Natasha when you said Cash was saying that he's he's black and he's Jewish I how old is Cash like four Four, five four he's gonna be five next summer oh my god Ah. When my oldest was around four, he would tell people that he was orange. So like, oh, <laughs> he's so caramel cute. skin tone and yeah. people would tell him. And, you know, I started young, like you're Hispanic and you're black. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not Spanish. I'm not black. I'm orange. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, OK, you're orange. I'll let you sit in your yeah. orange self until you decide. And the last two years, he's like, um, he's like, I'm black and, and I'm also Hispanic. And and I'm like, what happened to being orange? And he's like, I never said that. (laughs) I will say my, my oldest, um, you reminded me would, would really like stop me and like, and I didn't recognize like what was stopping her thought, but you could see her thinking like when, like if I said black or if, you know, someone said black and they were referring to like someone who is like African-American or black um, with darker skin. Cause she'd be like, mom, like they're not black. They have brown skin. And I'm like, they do, babe, they do. Like they have beautiful brown skin. And, and she would just, we started talking about it. Like, why do people say black? And I was like, you know, it's not right. It is brown. You are right. And I think people should say brown, but I think sometimes people also call people with darker skin black as well as like what do you want to call it (laughs) so that's what I put it back to like what do you want to call it how do you want to define what color it is but it's really interesting when you think about it like to have conversations from your child's perspective because like orange why not (laughs) he was orange right (laughs) and like how do we get to these definitions as adults we need to listen to kids (laughs) very very true very true society created it's not you know it's not natural but thinking mm-hmm. of this conversation and Dr. Bethany, I don't know if you remember when we were at USC, right on, um, when we were at school, we had this mm-hmm. conversation about like how to diversify either your circle or how to show your children that you have like, that you yourself are listening to what you're telling them, right? We're telling them be friends with everybody, love everybody, include everybody into your circle. But Mm -hmm. if they see our friends groups and our families as homogenous, it's hard for them to kind of get out there and do what we're telling them, but not what we're doing at home. Do you have any recommendations for, you know, as adults, how would we (laughs) our circles, right? If we don't have that, like, and I, you know, museums and things like that, but if they still don't see it within our household, I think that's hard. And like, for me, I feel like it's the opposite because Millie and I talked about this also until I moved to Orange County, I've also only had Asian, Hispanic, Latina, and black friends. Like I had never Mm -hmm. had other like 
culturally white friends, except for my best friend, Irina, who's the same as me, Russian Jewish. We both immigrated here. We were in the same classes. And then I moved to Orange County and, you know, that's where I found all my white friends. But yeah, how do we like do that to where, you know, we're bringing in culture into the house, but, you know, changing it up a little bit. I don't know. Any thoughts, any? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it ultimately is like awareness, right? And it, I think you kind of mentioned it, like you have to be in a space where you've kind of like reflected on it and and kind of been aware and then find ways to put yourself in new spaces or integrate other like opportunities for your child to learn like within experiences. So whether or not it's like visiting like a museum that has like a specific culture being celebrated so you could facilitate a conversation or like a library, uh, usually they'll have like, you know, different like books, they'll have displays or like if they're younger, they could have a story time that's specific on a topic. Um, But it's kind of like on the adult, if you recognize the gap to fill that in. So whether you're trying to like, there's all these Facebook groups too. So like there's park meetups, like you could be kind of more of an active participant, but it takes time and it's hard. So if you don't want to like find a new friend group like you can just do the things that we're kind of mentioning like go to festivals go to a museum you know like even eat at different restaurants and facilitate those conversations this is a little outside the topic tangent but like for instance sometimes you don't recognize the gap like we talk about differing abilities in our home too right but we don't have anyone in our circle that like uses a wheelchair or um has a severe disability so we had gone to a festival (laughs) as I mentioned one night and there was a person there who like a I guess like an older man who was in a wheelchair and his like communication wasn't what it should be right and that he wasn't able to verbally communicate um, with us but you could tell like he used noises to communicate and he had a caregiver with him maybe someone who was his family member and he was making like noises because I think he was excited about the music and all that was happening there was a lot happening around us and it just happened to be kind of where we stopped to listen to the music as well and then he noticed my daughters and was kind of like yelling toward our direction and so my daughters noticed and my oldest was kind of like really stuck like got nervous (laughs) was kind of scared and uh, you know we've talked about different abilities but like that was a very specific situation that I didn't you know we've never been in that space to have that specific interaction so like what I did as the adult I think it just matters as the adult to like speak to the other adult and just like say hi yeah (laughs) good to see you here like hope you're having a good night not necessarily excuse it but just you know, like recognize the other person, make the connection with the adult so that they're seeing you as the adult, not looking at your kid who's having the reaction. And then just like I was treating him with respect, like, oh, do you like the music and things like that? So modeling and then just, you know, have a great night. Okay, I think I'm going to get us a snack. And then I pulled my daughter off to the side who was like very quiet, didn't say anything, but I could tell she had a lot of thoughts. And we just talked about it. What were you thinking? Like, uh, what did you notice? And not putting any of that into her, just really trying to understand, like, what, where are you coming from? What is, what is your thought process? And then once I understood what she was understanding from that situation, I was able to like support it in that conversation. And then we just like went and checked out some books at the library about different abilities. I was just making sure to like, you know, also impact that from the back end. But again, that came from 
from me because the parent I'm noticing like, oh, there's a little gap here, right? <laughs> so we can just do what we can to create that that level of understanding in our home. Mm-hmm. I, I like that you you were aware, mm-hmm. you were able to regulate her and also mm-hmm. date her feelings, right? And so that mm-hmm. kind of opened up the space for inclusivity and like, he's mm-hmm. in a wheelchair, maybe he can't walk. And yeah. that's something that we think about culture, but we also don't think about like the disability, that's the deaf community. Like right. that. There's I, so many. Yeah, my son, my kids were privileged to be a part of a little girl that no longer is with us. She, you know, passed away at the age of eight because she was born ter- terminally ill. And so, he, yeah, he um, he was able to witness like she was on a wheelchair. She didn't talk, mm-hmm. uh, walk. She was basically bed bound. But mm-hmm. he would witness like her needing her oxygen or her needing to be pushed. And so he he was like that's my friend and we play mm-hmm. she wasn't like a like a kid that would get on the floor and cross she was again bed bound she was right. blind here and so just that experience I, I think as a mom as parents sometimes we're very protective mm-hmm. not also being open to this is like a learning thing that they will be able to carry on and so with that experience that he had to have with this this little girl He's now more like, oh, mom, they're special. Like, it's okay. Like, or, you know, he's like, it's mom. It's because they're special. They can't talk. Mm-hmm. And so it's just amazing to see that, like, connect what we teach them and actually connect in the real world. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think we just have to be, like you're saying, able to have the conversations, like not not shy away from them, right? And then just talk about it in terms of, like it's their ability. It's again, it kind of goes back into like how God, if you use God, um, you know, how God made you like, uh, it's just one part of that, that person's, you know, makeup, which is, you know, how they were designed by God. Absolutely. And thank you for bringing up the abilities conversation. I definitely, I think that's important. It's part of all of the differences that we can, you know, potentially notice about everything. And if we teach our kids that, hey, you're special because of, you know, these factors with your race, your religion, you Mm -hmm. know, other folks like Aiden said, they're Mm -hmm. also special based on their abilities and differences. I love that. Okay, so I wanted to kind of bring us towards the end because everyone has other meetings (laughs) and business. (laughs) But I wanted to wrap this up and bring us to the end and have us kind of go around and share essentially one thing, either one takeaway from what we talked about or one new thing, something, a thought that maybe you didn't get to share that you want to share before we close out. And Dr. Bethany, we'll start with you. I think um, it was, I mean, it was wonderful to talk to you guys and like hear from your perspectives and your experiences as well I love just understanding like I think it's just we have these experiences right as like parents especially like with our kids and I think sometimes we don't talk about it or know how to share it but like we have to be able to talk and share about it too so I'm appreciative of this space to have that conversation because I think the more that we can even share like with each other and then share out like it allows others to be motivated to do so as well absolutely I love that. Uh, 
there's a lot this was a really rich episode to be honest and I feel like this conversation can continue even more but Mm -hmm. overall like we talk about our kids and being inclusive and being open-minded but like not just as parents but the other adults that are in our kids' lives, our educators, our daycare providers, the people that take them and bring them to school, our grandparents, like just that village being able to discuss things. And I think hate comes from a place of fear and ignorance. And if we break that, break that barrier, and it's like, I've seen children that are like, screaming when they see somebody with a disability and it's like yeah that's where the fear and the hate comes Mm -hmm. from but if we kind of get to the level of our kids and like you created that space for your daughter for her to just kind of release her concerns Mm -hmm. questions Mm -hmm. so you were able to open up her mind and and Mm -hmm. and be okay so I like that yeah I like that of, of our of our episode just being open and honest and having these conversations with their kids is so important Mm-hmm. yeah I agree absolutely uh, for me it was the creative ways of teaching these things to our kids through the trees and the pets and <laughs> the foods and then you know like there's things that I thought of and then there's things that I'm like oh I could even like talk about clothes and teddy bears <laughs> mm-hmm. and like I started thinking of yeah. all of things that I can like potentially think of. So thank you for that. And I really, it was our new segment, but it, I just appreciated the space where I could share my feelings and also where we could talk about women's rights and rights for our partners when we have a loss. So thank you both for that space. And I really enjoyed having you on with us, Dr. Bethany. And this was just a great episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for for the opportunity. You guys are awesome to speak to and totally agree. We could keep talking about probably multiple things that were brought up here for much longer, but I appreciate the time that you guys um, gave me today. It was fun to be on. Yeah, we're definitely very honored. And for those of our listeners, you can find Dr. Bethany Hernandez-Parks at her website, firststarteducationconsulting.com or in her Instagram handle, firststartec. And those will be added to the show notes so you can follow her and reach out to her. And so we want to thank everybody and all our listeners for the feedback. And you can follow us, review us, and we will totally shout you out. So thank you so much. We will see you until the next episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye.